Red Hat is an, an enterprise software development organization. We work with the upstream community to develop enterprise-ready, uh, rock-steady open source technology. And then we take that to, to the industry to allow customers to utilize the benefits of not just Red Hat technology, but open source technology. There is always a demand from every organization now to do more with less. More importantly, it's, it's got more to do with how do they do more with less and then drive innovation on top? Because which, that's one of the things that, that a lot of CEOs are saying to their CIOs. Help me drive innovation at a company level. Um, I, I don't need you to be a cost center anymore, actually. I need you to be an innovation engine. I care about the individuals within my team and I, and I care about everybody you know within the team and I believe that's one of the best ways to get the best out of people is to make them feel wanted and, and there's there's no secret in that that's just part of human nature this is here on TV my name is Hendrik Deckers I'm here today with Colin Fisher who is the Global Senior Director of the Cloud Partner Ecosystem at Red Hat. A very warm welcome, Colin. Hendrik, thank you. Colin, you have a Master in uh, Geochemistry yes. from the University of Leicester. Yep. You worked for VMware, Veeam, BT, and you joined in 2014 Red Hat. Indeed. So Colin, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Who are you really and how did you arrive in this position? Absolutely. Uh, thank you, Hendrik, and a pleasure to be here as well. Uh, Colin Fisher, I'm 55 years old. Uh, I was born in, um, I'm English, I was mm -hmm. born in, in the UK, uh, born in the southwest uh, in a place called Bristol, mm -hmm. spent about 18, 20 years of my life there, grew up there, uh, and then went off to university mm -hmm. um, and uh, did my first degree in geology mm -hmm. and a master's degree in geochemistry. Uh, passionate about the, the planet and the ecosystem, okay. uh, which is the reason why I went into that, uh, <laughs> that topic, that field. Uh, but, uh, uh, but finished, um, you know, my master's degree uh, and then decided I was going to travel the world off the back of it. Um, and uh, that was a great opportunity for traveling around the world. I spent six weeks in the, Dobe, in the Gobi Desert in a tent Whoa. doing borehole logging. I, I was based on oil platforms and oil rigs just off the coast of Rwanda when there was a civil war. And, you know, so I've been in some some very... Uh, cool locations. I've seen a lot of cool locations, um, and and that really was the uh, the catalyst for me to to want to travel the world and, and see lots of the world. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I then um, moved on to uh, a, a job that was more focused around selling, mm -hmm. because someone said to me, "Actually, I think you'd be quite a good salesperson." Yep. I didn't have a background in sales, uh, and then from there, uh, along the way, I went from selling chemicals which was kind of the background I came from, to uh, getting involved in IT. Okay. And that was 25, 28 years ago. Uh, I've been involved in IT ever since. And okay. as you've said, I've, I've worked for you know, many companies. Um, and I joined Red Hat about uh, just coming up to 10 years now. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I joined originally to uh, set up and drive the cloud ecosystem business mm -hmm. in, in Red Hat 10 years ago. Uh, very much a different landscape back then to it is now. Uh, and here we are now, 10 years later. Okay, so we're here in the London office of Red Hat. Uh, and uh, Red Hat, most people will know the name, but again, tell us what is it that Red Hat does and what does it do really, really well? Yeah, great question. So Red Hat is an, an enterprise uh, uh, software development organization. Mm -hmm. um, we work with the upstream community 
uh, which is the, the open source community, yep. um, where the, the power of millions, if you like, is, 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 is the motto. Um, so we work with the upstream community to develop enterprise-ready, uh, rock-steady open source technology. And then we take that to, to the industry to allow customers to utilize the benefits of not just Red Hat technology, but open source technology. Yep. Okay, and so the main products lines, and we will come to that. Is Linux is of course the the big thing. Red, then, Red Hat Enterprise Linux, yeah, yeah absolutely. Enterprise Linux, Red and Hat. then the OpenShift and Ansible, and maybe we'll come back to that. In Correct, a, in a absolutely. Moment. Okay, absolutely. Let's first talk business, uh, Colin. So um, I want to talk with you about the um, the business challenges. I want to talk with you about the complexity that we're living in and that IT has to manage. I want to talk with you about um, cloud strategies, mm -hmm. and I want to talk about hybrid clouds, um, uh, multi-cloud, and so on. So that's the Absolutely. four topics I wanted to uh, uh, focus on. So we live in complex times. We live in special times, and, and our organizations, uh, your clients, are faced with many, many challenges. What do you see as the main business challenges that your clients are faced with today? Yeah, it, uh, that's a great question. Uh, whenever I, uh, and I spend a fair bit of time talking to, to CIOs or, you know, mm -hmm. um, uh, line of management businesses, they are very much focused on how do they uh, do more with less, mm -hmm. in particular these days. Uh, there, there is always a, a demand from every organization now to do more with less. Um, more importantly, it's, it's got more to do with how do they do more with less and then drive innovation on yeah. top? Because yep. which, that's one of the things that, that a lot of CEOs are saying to their CIOs. Help me drive innovation at a company level. Um, I, I don't need you to be a cost center anymore, actually. I need you to be an innovation engine. Yep. So there's almost a part where every organization now is, is, is almost a, a software organization. Yep. You know, they're there to create uh, you know, new capabilities and, and innovate in new ways. And I think that's a, that's a very tall order for, for a lot of customers and a lot of organizations. Mm -hmm. um, not everybody has, you know, the, the people, the bandwidth and the ability to be able to achieve that. So we at Red Hat, uh, and certainly myself, in the job I do, it's very much about how do we help uh, our customers mm -hmm. to be able to achieve that but leveraging the ecosystem as well, the partner ecosystem. Yep. How, do we, how, do, how does our partner ecosystem help our customers achieve those? Yeah. So innovation is key. Absolutely. Businesses are undergoing lots of changes at the same time. They, do ha they have to do this within a, a given budget. Absolutely. Uh, and so that means that digital and IT is key for that innovation. And, and Red Hat contributes to that, right? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we do that in lots of ways. We, we do that because... You know, our our portfolio development uh, strategy, if you like, is is mm -hmm. about how do we make it, how do we make our, our technology rock steady and standardized, mm -hmm. so that customers can take that technology and util utilize it across any any footprint. And, yep. and so, when we start talking about digital transformation, most most people these days will will, will talk about cloud. Yeah. So if you look at the Red Hat portfolio, it's very much about giving customers a choice, flexibility of where they want to use or run yep. the Red Hat technologies based on their business requirements. And, and that's, so we are very customer focused, but partner always focused yep. as well. Absolutely, and so what we see with um, um, the need to innovate 
is um, agility is important, Absolutely. innovation, agility is important, but at the same time, our businesses are getting more and more complex. Mm. And IT systems, IT departments, IT infrastructure, IT uh, applications are getting more and more complex, I think, in general. Yes. And we're building up legacy and so on and so on. So the role of CIOs are getting uh, are, are, are not easy. And I think one thing that they're all focusing on is try to create more simplicity, mm. get uh, away from complexity. So what do you see within your clients uh, as, as the main drivers for this increasing, ever increasing, it seems, complexity? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, complexity, uh, uh, my personal view is complexity starts with uh, understanding, number one, absolutely what you're trying to achieve. Mm -hmm. And then number two, I think there's a, a, a technical understanding. So what, what is the technology that you need to use yep. to address that, that uh, business requirement? But there's also a commercial one as well. Mm -hmm. And um, as we move into digital transformation, in particular in the cloud, mm -hmm. then that commercial model also becomes very important as well moving forward. Yep. So, so we at Red Hat, as I said, we, we've got a complete portfolio of, of enterprise-grade products that allow our customers to develop, deploy, secure, and manage mm -hmm. across a multi-cloud environment or a multi-cloud footprint. Now that footprint can be on-premise, okay? It could be bare metal, physical, virtual, yep. or it can be hybrid, as we as, we as an organization have an open hybrid cloud strategy. Yep. Um, and then that's allowing customers to also use that in the cloud, whether or not that be single-tenant, multi-tenant, yep. hourly, annual, yep. And multi-cloud. Yeah, so, so again, it's giving customers flexibility yeah, yeah. and choice. I think cloud is no longer optional. Right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's key in every transformation, digital business transformation that's going on today. But do you think that what you observe is cloud adding to complexity or is cloud reducing complexity in the organizations that you work with? Yeah, I, my view on this is, it, absolutely, Hendrik, is a great question because it depends who you speak to within the organization. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and, and, you know, that, that is, I guess, one of the conundrums around cloud. Uh, around cloud. I, I would say a majority of uh, CIOs believe that it's decreasing mm -hmm. complexity. Uh, but actually, if you then speak to other people that are, that are working for the CIO, potentially that adds more complexity because mm -hmm. now you've got these multiple footprints that you need to yep. manage. Um, and also, more importantly, if you speak to the lines of business and, and some of the people that are carrying the budgets, then the, the cloud, up until recently, the cloud, uh, the complexity around purchasing mm -hmm. has been you know, very difficult. Yep. Actually, what is interesting now because of cloud marketplaces and committed spend contracts and everything else that's happening in the market, the, the purchasing route, if you like, or the purchasing process is actually now becoming a little bit more easier in the cloud. Yep. So the complexities around how organizations uh, secure their budgets and procure the software is becoming easy. Uh, I think as technology progresses, yep. then of course, increased technology adds more complexity. So AI and ML is a prime example, yep. right? So, you know. so. Again, horses for courses depends yep. very much on who you speak yeah, to. Yeah, it depends. And it also, I think, depends a lot on the uh, specific cloud strategy Absolutely. that the company has. So what I wanted to do with you, uh, Colin, is, is run over a couple of different typical cloud strategies that companies can take. Mm. 
Mm. Um, and, and so you have, and, and let's put them in a couple of categories. One strategy could be just to lift and shift everything, put everything in the cloud, yep. use the applications as such. And there's pros and cons for that. Absolutely. Then there's the, the more the hybrid cloud approach where yep. you say, well, step by step in an architected way, we will move things where they are best in the, in the cloud and make sure that we have modernized applications in there. Yep. And then there's more the project based ad hoc where we put whatever piece of cloud is there when we do almost like a best of breed strategy. Mm. Let's run over these three and, mm. and let's see what your vision and Red Hat's vision is on these, these and, and maybe other cloud strategies. So lift and shift. Uh, some companies that say, well, we have eight data centers, we're gonna get rid of all of them, we put everything at, at, at uh, AWS or at another hyperscaler, Microsoft, Google. Where do you see the big advantages, the disadvantage, the, when does that uh, strategy you think is a good strategy? The one thing I've, I've, uh, I've come to learn, actually, Hendrik, uh, over the years is that it becomes very difficult, actually, to put organizations in a particular bucket uh -huh. because every organization is it's very different. different. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and, and it very much depends on, on the objectives of yep. that organization or, more importantly, the people that are they're making the plans, the CIO, mm -hmm. typically. So again, it's very much about what they're trying to achieve. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we do see uh, customers that are, are absolutely thinking about the lift and shift. Mm -hmm. It happens, of course yeah. it does. Um, but based on my experience, what we're actually finding is that that doesn't typically address all of the issues or concerns that most organizations have, mm -hmm. particularly as we now start to look at data sovereignty and mm -hmm. in particular now data sovereignty is becoming you know, a big factor, particularly outside of North America, if you yep. like. So the, the, the data sovereignty piece is, is coming back into the conversation very much and therefore picking everything up and maybe putting it in a, a data center that isn't typically yep. sovereignized, if you like, if, mm -hmm. that's a, if that's a word, is becoming more of an issue, particularly in, in government organizations, yep. public sector, et cetera, et cetera. So of course there are benefits to it, but, but typically what we're finding is that customers are, are, are typically going for the, the middle, yep. right, the hybrid piece, and that's because th there are benefits to both. Okay, mm -hmm. so you know if you start to look at uh, you know, legacy applications or business critical applications, most organisations are saying I'm quite happy for those to still sit in my data yep. centre these days because of all the right reasons. Um, it used to be years back that the organisations would then look at the you know the the, the t testing dev you know file and print and you know kind of the low hanging fruit in mm -hmm. IT and move that to the cloud. Of course now, because of the capabilities of a lot of the cloud systems mm -hmm. and services, yeah, there's a lot more business yep. critical applications going into the cloud. Um, and we are seeing more of that because the capabilities of the cloud provider community yep. and, and everything else that's attached to it and the applications and workloads themselves yep. is progressing. Yep. So, so, what, so what could we say that for most or for many, many organizations, a hybrid cloud, a step-by-step -step approach where you put these applications that really belong in the cloud and yes. put modern applications and step-by-step, step, clean up your legacy. And, 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 and so the advantage is that, that you optimize the use of the cloud, of course, 
the disadvantage is that you have two systems, still two systems at the same time. So, Absolutely. so how do you deal with that? Well, at Red Hat, we we have a, a complete portfolio that allows you to execute that hybrid cloud model, uh -huh. and that's that's how our products have, have been designed with that mindset. Mm -hmm. So, you want to run them on premise, you can run them on prem. You want to run them in the cloud, you can mm -hmm. run them in the cloud. But if you want to run them in a hybrid environment and federate between the two, that's the way the technologies have been yep. uh, designed. And that's, and, and that's the flexibility and choice we give our customers. Yep. So, Colin, how does that really work? I mean, when a developer develops something and then runs something, how does that work that then that application is, it can be on-prem or in the cloud? Yeah. So we have a, an abstraction capability within all of our technology. In, in fact, that's the, the beauty of, in particular, OpenShift, for example. Mm -hmm. If you look at OpenShift, which is a, an application development platform, uh, it, it gives our customers the ability to, to run that on-premise mm -hmm. or run it in the cloud or federate between the two. So uh, there's flexibility, there's choice. And, and, and actually, you know, what you spin up on-prem yep. is also identical to what you potentially spin up on, on cloud as well and vice versa. Yep. So it's given our customers the flexibility and the choice that they require. Okay, super. So hybrid cloud, very, very important cloud strategy adopted by many, many uh, customers. Yeah. It will allow you to move to the cloud step by step. It will probably take a little bit longer than just lift and shift, Absolutely. but then you, pro you do it in the right way. Absolutely. Right way. The, the, Another cloud strategy could be really to do it project by project. And for this application, we take a Microsoft uh, as a piece of software and we do a SaaS here and a YAS there and a PaaS there and, and we use a little bit best of breed. What, is the, what do you see as the, the, the pros and the cons of, an, of a strategy like that? Yeah, uh, the, the, the pros. Well, let, let me cover off the cons. I, I think. One of the things that organizations need to be conscious of these days is, is some kind of vendor lock-in. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I guess if you start putting all of your eggs in one basket, mm -hmm. uh, then you, know, you, you, you potentially start to limit yep. uh, you know, your, your choice and your flexibility. So that, that's something that we work very hard at at Red Hat to mm -hmm. ensure that we give our customers the ability to run the workloads wherever they want to run them, yep. right? Um, so, so to your point, there are pros and cons to doing both of those models. Um, that, that's, pr that's very much why we as an organization believe that the right model actually mm -hmm. is the hybrid cloud model mm -hmm. because it gives you the best of, of all worlds. Yeah, okay. So as Red Hat, it's very important that you have a very close relationship with the hyperscalers, uh, with the, the Microsoft, the Googles, and so on and so on. Absolutely. Tell us a little bit about that. How does that work? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. And, and that predominantly is the business that, that I'm responsible for at Red Hat. Um, it's interesting. We, we as an organization have an open hybrid cloud strategy. Mm -hmm. Now, without the cloud vendors, there is no such thing as hybrid. Mm -hmm. yep. So they are critical to our strategy moving forward. But more importantly, they're also critical to our customers' cloud mm -hmm. strategies moving forward because yep. it's fair to say that most organizations these days are utilizing some kind of cloud provider. Uh, what is interesting, actually, and you, you mentioned all of the hyperscalers, and, and I can also mention, you know, we can mention IBM Cloud and Oracle Cloud and Alibaba Cloud and you know a lot of others. We have relationships with all of those globally, mm -hmm. uh, but we also have uh, relationships with literally hundreds 
of uh, regional cloud providers or sovereign cloud providers, mm -hmm. if you like, around the world. And um, although you know, there's a lot of focus on the hyperscalers, there, there is also, I think more importantly moving forward, there is going to become more of a, a reliance on the regional partners because of sovereignty laws that are starting to happen around the world. Yeah. But to answer your question, Hendrik, yeah, we, I spend most of my time working with the big hyperscalers, the, the, the big three. Uh, our relationships are very important to us, the mm -hmm. relationships that we have. We are a top six vendor for both Microsoft and AWS, uh, and we have those those types of strategic relationships with them. Uh, they're, they're great teams to work with, actually, uh, because they, they have a collaboration mindset. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, we also do a lot with Google, obviously. So, um, you know, very critical to us as an organization yep. for obvious reasons, but also very critical to our customer base as well. Yep. You also talk to a lot of CIOs and, 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 and top cloud strategists at, uh, at, at, at your clients. So where do you see their concerns today? I mean, there's cloud comes with a lot of positive things, but also comes with some risks yeah. and with some compliance uh, challenges uh, maybe sometimes and with some, some, some search for the right skills. Yep. Where do you see the, the, the concerns of CIOs today? Yeah, the, 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 the overall, the, the number one concern I would say for, for most CIOs is, is how, do they, how do they hook it all together, right? How do they run this massive environments or big environments that they've got? And how do they deliver that service back to the organization that the organization is asking for? Yep. And then there's this whole piece we discussed previously around how does then how do you how does a CIO help with the innovation side of the business? Yeah. Right? The you know the, the new go to market piece. So those are big questions that come up. Um, I would say the other one that continuously comes up as well is uh, lack of resources and skill sets, and also vendor locking, yeah. flexibility and choice. Mm -hmm. So so the former was one is interesting because um, we are seeing a, a, a real lack of skill sets within the marketplace. And that is becoming a, a big uh, issue for a lot of CIOs in the marketplace. And we, we as a company, we realized that, uh, uh, you know, about three or four years ago, which is why we, we started moving towards managed services. Okay. In as much as that if an organization doesn't have the skill sets and the people, uh, and there isn't that skill set within the ecosystem as well mm -hmm. to be able to deliver those services, then they'll look for an alternative. And in most cases, it's going to someone who will manage that. Yeah. Uh, service for them, um, hence the reason why you know we have an OpenShift service with with Microsoft and OpenShift service with uh, AWS, um, and also we've got our own OpenShift dedicated service as well, mm -hmm. for example, because customers were asking for that capability. Okay, one of the concerns that CIOs also um, express in in discussions that we have them is with the cost of cloud. Yes. Um, because, I mean, one way is to get in, but then the cost could go up and you, you're in the hands of, of, of the hyperscalers or cloud providers and so on. So do you see that as, 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 as a real important concern? Yeah, absolutely. The purchasing and uh, the way in which organizations are buying cloud now, it, it has never been more important than it is today. Mm -hmm. Um, in fact, there's two considerations, as we said before, get in the right technology and get in the right pricing for obvious reasons. So we, we as a vendor, Red Hat, have worked extremely hard to make sure that our portfolio of, of solutions is available around the world, yep. if you like, in, in cloud providers 
all over the planet. Uh, we have 1,450 cloud provider partners today offering Red Hat technologies as a service offering for our customers, our joint customers. But more importantly, we've worked very hard recently to make sure that our portfolios are in the hyperscalers marketplaces because, of course, a lot more organizations now are committing committed spends and yep. you know, enterprise agreements, et cetera, with the hyperscalers. Um, so by us making sure that our portfolio is available in many different places with many different partners, yep. it gives our customers flexibility and choice from, uh, from who, who they purchase the service from, yep. but more importantly, the pricing that they pay for the technology yep. as well. Just for me to understand the complete portfolio of, of Red Hat. So we, I understand what Enterprise Linux is. Yeah. You've explained OpenShift. The third product line is, is Ansible Automation. Yes. Talk, talk a little bit about that, please. Well, and, and that's a great one because when we spoke about complexity before, one of the areas that Red Hat helps our customer base very much is, is around the automation of some of these IT environments. Mm -hmm. So, And that's where Ansible comes in. Ansible is, is, uh, is a, a world-class enterprise automation mm -hmm. platform as is all of the Red Hat technologies, they're all platforms. And, and that now can be uh, utilized on-prem, but it also, it's also available now as a service for many of our cloud providers around the world. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that again is, is helping our customers with the complexity piece. It's allowing them to drive efficiencies across their organizations. Mm -hmm. In fact, Ansible is actually used by a lot of our cloud providers themselves yep. to drive day one and day two operations and cut costs. Okay. Colin, how would you say Red Hat is organized today to support its customers in its cloud journey? Yeah, a great question, Hendrik. We have our, our portfolio development team. We have obviously our development team who are responsible for making sure that the products are enterprise ready. They've yep. been developed for the way our customers need them. Then we have a, a, a services organization um, which is exactly there is to help customers on, on with the trip, uh, mm -hmm. with their trip, you know, their journey to the cloud, if you yep. like, the trip that they're on. And then there, we have also our field sales teams, uh, but more importantly, the business I work within is the ecosystem business, so mm -hmm. our partners. Uh, and our partner community are very important to us mm -hmm. at Red Hat. And they're also very important to our customers because of the skill sets and the knowledge that they have, and you know, because you can't do everything on your own as an organization. Yep. That's where the ecosystem comes in. So we leverage our ecosystem partners very much, or our ecosystem and our partners very much, as, a, as almost an extension of Red Hat. In fact, yep. they are exactly that. It's a partnership. And we work very hard at ensuring that our, yep. our, our partners are a key point of our yep. go-to-market. And, and you're the global director of that Correct. ecosystem, managing that ecosystem? For the cloud provider. Yeah, for the cloud Correct. provider. So, yes. so what does that mean? Where do you spend most of your time? Then? Yeah, absolutely. I, I spend quite a bit. Of, there's a few places I spend most of my time these days. What does it mean? It means I'm responsible for making sure that we've got the right cloud ecosystem in place, mm -hmm. providing the right services to our customer base so our customer customers have flexibility choice and they don't get that vendor lock-in scenario yep. as we spoke about earlier. Where do I spend my time? Well, actually, I spend quite a bit of my time these days talking to CIOs or CEOs of big cloud providers, mm -hmm. um, but also actually uh, customers who want to consume the cloud, the Red Hat technology as a cloud service. Mm -hmm. So that's very much e explaining to them how the technology works, how they consume it, the, the benefits of different cloud strategies as, as we've discussed today. Yeah. But, but then more importantly, you know, making sure that they're working with the right cloud partner, for mm -hmm. example, and the partner, the cloud partner they're working with has the right capabilities and skill sets to execute against what the customer yeah. wants. Uh, so, so and, but actually what is interesting, I'm seeing more and more of our cloud provider 
or, or our customers become cloud providers. So that's another thing that's becoming quite interesting mm -hmm. in the marketplace today. Customers are actually now starting to become partners. Okay. Uh, can, could, could you give an example? Yeah, I can indeed. So we, I, I spent uh, a day or so with uh, one of the world's largest uh, electronic manufacturing companies mm -hmm. last week. And the CEO and the CIO are responsible for internal IT, right? Mm -hmm. It's part of their service. But what they've realized is that because of the skill sets, the capabilities, and the knowledge that they've built up uh, as their own IT organization, now they're looking at how do they take those skill sets and that knowledge, yep. turn that into uh, you a know, service. A service, correct. Yep. Because they are finding that all of their competitors and all of their partners they're working with today have exactly the same requirements, and therefore they want to be able to offer those services to those customers. Okay, right? quite exciting. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> and 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 that's a massive transformation mm -hmm. for you know for an organisation of that size. So you know that's that's one of the type of types yeah. of conversations I get involved yeah. in. You run a team uh, that mm. that's responsible for the uh, cloud ecosystem. Yes, I can imagine that's a little bit around the, around the globe, all over the world, yeah, all correct. over the world. So, yes. so what is your management style? How do you make sure that your team is successful? Yeah. So, well, I, I think there's there, I think that's two questions actually because I would consider my management style as as very open, uh, very collaborative. Mm -hmm. um, I, I care very much about the team but I also care very much about the success of the team as an individual. Mm -hmm. So it's almost the, the, you know, the constituent parts, the individuals within the team and the, and the team itself. So um, I like to uh, understand the, the people within the team as, as people, as individuals, mm -hmm. and uh, have close relationships with them. Um, and I use, uh, I, I would say I'm quite empathetic uh, and, I'm a, and, a, and, a, and I am a listener. Yep. Um, how, do I, how do I generate a successful team or what does a successful team look like? Well, first thing first, I, I worked out years ago that if there's no trust between you and your team or even the individuals within the team and the team itself doesn't have trust, you're not really heading in the right direction. So it's about trust, creating mm -hmm. trust. And sometimes that's about showing vulnerability mm -hmm. and explaining to people that, you know, everybody's vulnerable. It, it is human, and and it doesn't matter if you are vulnerable. Then, then it is about commitment. It's about having a plan, and making sure that everybody is bought into that plan. And then it's then around the execution piece. But more mm -hmm. importantly, that's where you hold each other accountable. Yeah. At every level, and I say to my team as well, I am and accountable back to you guys as a team as well, back to you as a team. And then, and then. Um, you have to keep uh, you have to keep monitoring that, right? You have to keep staying on top of that and, yep. and addressing the issues and concerns. And if you need to evolve or change direction, well, then you will sit back down and take a, take, yep. you know, have a, have a little bit of a conversation around the directions that you need to change. Yep. So. You shared with me that you, in your younger years, you're very very active in sports. Yes. And you also manage teams in sports. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me a little bit about that and what you learned from these years and that you're applying uh, yeah, today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've always been a keen sportsman. In fact, that was probably one of my downfalls when I was younger. <laughs> I spent more time doing sport than I did, you know, actually doing the learning and the education. So uh, I've always been a, a sports mad fanatic. More importantly, I've always enjoyed team sports. 
-hmm. And uh, over the years, I've learned a lot about uh, you know team ethics and and the value of a team. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I give you a prime example. Everybody in a team has a role to play. They have a position. They have a role to play. They have a responsibility. And because there is a responsibility as a team, you can hold people accountable for that task or that role. Yeah. And and I think that directly correlates very well back to individuals within a team. But that's where it's important that, that the individuals within the team need to understand what their roles and responsibilities are. So that's where the clarity is needed. Um, and and you know, so that there are lots of ways where you know team sport. I, I actually like the idea of. The, the team as a as a single mm -hmm. as an entity yep. uh, with everybody pushing and pulling in the same direction with the same objectives uh, and then that that's a, that of course is one of the things you need for any team to be successful okay. now what was your favorite sport uh, well i'm a i'm a i'm a big rugby fan big rugby oh, yeah okay. uh, I, I played a lot of rugby i played a lot of football i still play cricket today uh but i i do anything i, <laughs> I cycle today i run today i do yep. triathlons I do high rocks. If anybody knows what high rocks is, no, no, <laughs> crazy sport. Well, I'm very, very talk about that later. Very, very <laughs> difficult. Yeah, Colin, I've interviewed a, already a number of people in in Red Hat. Spoke to uh, quite a number of people in Red Hat. There's something special about the culture in Red mm. Hat, right? Mm. And and so tell me a little bit about that. What's special about the Red Hat culture, and how does that translate in the kind of leadership? that can flourish in this organization? Yeah, that, that's a great question. And the, the one thing I can say actually is, I, I found a, my, my management style and my personality fits very well mm -hmm. inside Red Hat mm -hmm. because of the culture of Red Hat. In fact, uh, I probably shouldn't say this, but I will. The culture is almost a religion actually. Almost a religion. Almost a religion at Red Hat. Uh, because it, it is, it is that secret sauce. It, it, it's very difficult to explain. It, it, it is the piece that makes Red Hat very different to any organization I've ever worked for. Uh, everything is, is flat. You know, it's a very flat management style. Yes, of course, there are leaders. Of course, there are. And you need people to make decisions. But everybody has an opinion, and they are very welcome to share that opinion. And, and we work on the, the model that meritocracy wins. Mm -hmm. It's not the people at the top that have to come up with the best ideas. It's anybody within the organization can come up with the best idea. Yep. Uh, so, so it provides uh, an ability for people within inside the organization to feel like they've made a difference and make a difference mm -hmm. on a day-by-day -day basis. And I'm a firm believer in, I, I will say to my team, you know, every day, you don't need to ask me to go and make a difference. You can just go and make a difference at Red Hat. Mm -hmm. And that's what is so different about the organization. Yeah. Now, if I would travel around the world and speak to people in your team um, and ask what they think about you, or if they are together at the coffee machine and yeah. they talk about you, what, what do you think people around you say about you and, and about your leadership style? Yeah, I would hope they would say a, a futuristic mm -hmm. planner, if you like. So. I, li I like to stay kind of one step ahead. I like mm -hmm. to keep an eye on, you know, what's happening in the marketplaces and, and make sure we're in the right position at the right time. But I, but I would also hope that they, they would say that, you know, I, I have empathy. Um, I am very open. Mm -hmm. uh, 
I am tenacious, but I, I like to think that I'm tenacious with a smile. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I care. Uh, I care about the individuals within my team and I, and I care about yep. everybody, you know, within the team. So, um, and I believe that's one of the best ways to get the best out of people is to make them feel wanted. Um, okay. And there's, there's no secret in that. That's just part of human nature, right? So. Let's talk a little bit more. Let's deep dive a little bit more in your personality, uh, Colin, because mm. that's, that's my favorite part of these discussions, of course. Okay. Your, you shared with us that your MBTI profile, uh, you have um, scored yourself as a protagonist, mm. an ENFJ. Uh, so that's a person who is extroverted, intuitive feeling and judging personality traits. And these are typically warm, forthright uh, types that love helping others. Yeah, absolutely. And they tend to have uh, strong ideas and values and they back their perspective with creative energy to achieve their goals. So what I'm going to say, give you, uh, Colin, is five typical strengths of a protagonist. And you tell me how uh, you relate to that, and then we're going to talk about your development areas or weaknesses. Okay. So typical strengths for ENFJs is that they are receptive, Mm -hmm. they are reliable, Mm -hmm. they're passionate, altruistic, and charismatic. Does that fit the package here? Uh, absolutely. I think it's pretty <laughs> spot on, to be honest. Uh, I mean, the, the characteristic piece is, is an interesting one. I wouldn't necessarily see myself as a char- characteristic person. I just, I am who I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the other one for me that's important is authentic, actually. Mm-hmm. Authenticity is very important to me. Uh, but I think, yeah, you've, you've got pretty okay. close well, with it. Well, it's a self-assessment, so it should be good, right? <laughs> Potential, potential weaknesses, development areas yeah. of people with your profile is people have to, you have to be careful not to be unrealistic, yep. overly idealistic, mm-hmm. condescending sometimes, yeah, possibly. sometimes too intense or overly empathetic. What, is, what were your, where your more, most important development areas? How have you developed them? How have you worked on them? Can you give an example, maybe? Yeah, I, I think there's another one uh, for me personally, and that is that because I come from a scientific background, mm-hmm. um, I, I I very much have a uh, almost an, an analytical mindset around sometimes how, how I do things. That's good. Uh, of course, it is good. It's advantageous. But sometimes you can spend too, lo- too long doing the analytics yep. that the opportunity passes you by. Yep. So uh, I've worked very hard over the years to be a little bit more courageous. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, yes, I, I, I listen to my gut instinct, but actually, you know, it's about, you know, taking more of a, a, a courageous step into, okay, fine, let's do it and let's do it now. Okay. Yeah. Colin, let's dive a little bit deeper. And we talked about your personality. Let's yeah. talk about your core values that you live by. And also, you shared with us you have a son of 29 that you have passed on to your son. Yeah. First one for me is honesty. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's critical in life in general, like, you know, life, personal life and also business. Mm-hmm. Uh, along with that comes transparency. The other one I, I think is very important is authenticity. Mm-hmm. Always be yourself. Uh, and then the, the final one, and in particular, this is for, I guess, the younger generation, it's it's not necessary. It's find something that makes you happy. Mm. Do something that makes you happy. 
Yeah, absolutely. Now, we all learn from the people around us. Yeah. So who were your most important mentors in your life and mm. who are the people that you maybe look up to and that you learn from? And can you give a, maybe one or two examples? Yeah, I can. With, with most people, I, I think their parents have a, a big influence into, sure. into them as a person and, and you know, the values that they have. So uh, a big influence for me has always been my father. Well, mm. both parents, but in particular my father. Uh, who, who, who always used to say to me, you know, life is too short. He used to say two things, you know, never miss an opportunity uh, and life is too short. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and we have roughly, what, 4,000 weeks That's in it. our lifetime, you know, to, to go and live our lives. Mm-hmm. So I think both of those resonate very much. The, the other uh, people that have been mentors to me, and I, and I won't mention their names, they're both Red Hatters. They're mm-hmm. no longer at Red Hatters. But, but both of them, um, one of them would say to me, uh, allow yourself to be the leader you aspire to be, mm-hmm. which is something I've, I've never forgotten about. And the second one would, would, would taught me that there is power in partnerships. So those are things that have always stuck with me over the years. Okay. Do you have a favorite mantra, a saying that helps you if you have to take, for instance, a tough decision or that helps you in your daily life? Uh, yeah, I do. I'm, 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 a, I'm a firm believer in, uh, I, I kind of mentioned it earlier. I, I have a bit of a mantra which says, allow yourself to be the leader you aspire to be, mm-hmm. um, which keeps me honest. It, 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 I, I do have a tendency every now and again to, to doubt myself mm-hmm. uh, as a leader. Uh, and it's always good to just uh, keep reminding yourself that you know, it's it, it's under my control. Yep. You know, and the way in which I think and the and the positive mindset uh, is the right model moving forward. Okay. Uh, but but I think that the one that resonates with me is is you know is the, the old adage about a failure is is just one step towards success. Mm-hmm. Um, because one of the areas in which I know that I have a potential weakness is, is on the courageous side of things, is taking a little bit of a gamble. So, so for me, um, you know, the, the fear of failure, everybody has a fear of failure, I believe, mm-hmm. or most people do, or sense of loss. But it's very much about keeping that under control and, and taking the, the risk when it's appropriate to take okay. the risk. If you reflect on your, um, on your young life, professionally and, and, and personal, mm. what would you say is one of the best things that have, uh, has ever happened in your life? Oh, apart from the, the obvious, I, I, I met my, my, uh, my wife, uh, you know, the family, my son. I'm very proud of, of the uh, master's degree that, that, that I accomplished, particularly when I look at uh, the <laughs> amount of time that I wasted back in, in my school days and having to go back to university to get that. Um, the other one actually, which, which set me, uh, very much on, on kind of a career path was joining VMware in the early days mm-hmm. back in 2004, when nobody had even heard of, you know, virtualization. It, it literally didn't exist. No. Uh, that was a great journey. It really was a great journey. It taught me a lot of things, taught me how to sink or swim, you know, <laughs> very much. That was the, 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 the mindset at the organization yeah. at the time. And I still believe that having spent that time at VMware and then growing up with virtualization and cloud computing since then, because 2004 was, was reasonably early days, yeah. 
you know, it, it's put me on a, on a good career path moving forward. Okay. The flip side is that, what would you say is one of the worst things uh, in your life that happened to you, if, if you care to share that? Yeah, the, I lost a, a friend during COVID, mm -hmm. uh, which, and a close friend, uh, which, which set me back, it hit me hard. Uh, and, and, it, and it made me realize that, uh, you know, we're, we're all fallible, um, but, but there are more important things in life than, than business, mm -hmm. right? Uh, so it made me level set. It made me think about my life a little bit more. Um, and honestly, it, you know, it, it was a shock. Um, and, um, you know, I, I feel that I've learned from that. I feel that um, I'm a little bit more prepared now in... Yeah, maybe those curveballs that you get thrown in life mm -hmm. um, as a net result of going through the healing process associated with that. So. Okay. Well, you talked already a little bit about a couple of fears. What is it in life that you love most? Oh, sport. <laughs> <laughs> no, sp sport, sport and food. <laughs> sport and family and food. I I'm okay. not a big drinker, actually. There is another one, Hendrik. It's chocolate. I am a self-confessed chocolate. Belgian chocolate, I Belgian imagine, chocolate. Any chocolate. I don't care. Uh, but no, I, I enjoy my sport. Um, it, it's a way for me to release after after a, a day's business. Mm -hmm. um, I, I find it a great way to to level set, de-stress, yep. um, and put me in a great position for the next day. You know, to 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 go on and and do the best you possibly can. So. That's the way in which I use exercise. Okay. So. so Colin, what is that you're most proud of? Uh, well, I, I, uh, uh, I guess uh, success was uh, I completed a, a high rocks event, uh, as I said previously, which is a, a very tough uh, sporting event. Uh, so you run uh, eight kilometers and then you do eight different disciplines. And it's the equivalent of, of running a triathlon um, or completing a triathlon. So from that, that perspective, I'm very proud about that. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's on the personal side, um, and and honestly, I, I felt I feel very privileged um, uh, about the position that I'm in at Red Hat. Oh. Um, you know, it, it's a global position. Um, if you look at the the strategy involved, you know, from Red Hat, we have a hybrid cloud strategy, and therefore the the cloud element of that strategy is oh. very important to us as an organisation. And and I feel very privileged to be in the position I'm in today and the fact that the organization has, has entrusted me yep. that part of the business. So. Okay, so Colin, if at the end of the week you come back home, what is it that must have happened that you say this was really a great week? I would say it's some kind of success. Mm -hmm. Now, success means different things to different people, but for me, it's about, have I, have I, Actually, have I left my role or have I moved my business on in a better place than it was at the beginning of the week? So by the end of that week, mm -hmm. is my business in a better place than it was when I started at the beginning of the week? And if I get to the end of the week and I believe it is in a better place, yep. then for me, that's a good result. Okay, super. Colin, we're coming to the last question of, uh, of our um, brilliant interview here today. And so that is, these interviews are being watched by young professionals that mm. have and the ambition also to make a great career into a, into a top technology company like yeah. Red Hat. Yeah. What is the advice that you would give to these uh, ambitious professionals if they want to follow in your footsteps? Yeah, 
I think n never be afraid. First thing first, understand what it is that you want to do, mm -hmm. okay, and have a plan. Secondly, surround yourself with people that make a difference and allow you to execute against that plan mm -hmm. or that objective. So find yourselves mentors and people that you respect because they've got values that you respect and you want to learn from them. And then thirdly, don't be afraid to challenge and don't be afraid to uh, be courageous and take some calculated, calculated risks. Okay. And on that note, thank you so much, Colin. It was a pleasure. Hendrik, thank you. And as a token of our appreciation, this is our second edition of the CRNet cookbook that we've developed together at Reddit. Excellent. Thank you very much indeed. It was a pleasure. Thank you for your time.